everyone. Welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And we have with us on this episode yet another very special first-time guest, podcaster extraordinaire, <laughs> Megan Griffin. Hi, Megan. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you here to discuss beloved book, Harry Potter 3. I think it is beloved. I think it's one of the most beloved. Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between Prisoner of Azkaban and Goblet of Fire, which one is the like most beloved. I hate Goblet of Fire. That is interesting. Do you really? It's my least favorite. Really? Yeah. I am so curious, but I will wait until next episode. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> wow. Perhaps the most beloved book in perhaps the most beloved franchise of all time? Maybe. Maybe. Can we? Maybe. If they stop adding shit to it. <laughs> they're just going to keep adding stuff and just weigh it down. Until we hate it. sinks into the mud and becomes irrelevant. Uh, but now we're, we're casting back to that magical time in the life of Harry Potter, Boy Wizard, <laughs> when he met the prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and that's basically all the plot summary you need. Just kidding. We're going to go into this thing because we all have some thoughts about it. So smash cut, no. <laughs> <laughs> smash cut, the Dursleys, 1993. Is that the year that it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is 93. Mm -hmm. So we've got Harry turning 13, doing his homework, receiving his birthday presents, and uh, learning that he, because he's a 13-year-old third year, he gets the opportunity to go to Hogsmeade this year. And that is a stressor in his life. <laughs> of course. I don't understand why the Dursleys just wouldn't sign anything to keep him away, but whatever. Um, yeah, this is this is sort of a, a fixation of mine is the Dursleys and what they're up to and how they're being shown to be terrible in this book. Yeah. And they are still the, the worst. It's become clear how status-obsessed they are, how specifically, like, petty and small-minded they are. Yes. And it becomes, you know, it just sort of... they Again, JK really wants you to know these folks are they're no good. I love the like progression of Dudley through the books. <laughs> so in this one, there's a TV in the kitchen, and I think he takes up three chairs by this point, maybe only two. He now moves even less because food and TV, he's happy. And his aunt is coming to town, which is his father's sister, looks just like him without the mustache, <laughs> but with the dog. The kind of great thing about her, Aunt Marge. <laughs> Aunt Marjorie? Marge. Aunt Marge. Yeah. Is... Uh, we learned what the Dursleys are telling the world Harry's doing when he disappears for, you know, school. And he is going to St. Brutus's, which is a school for criminally something. Incurably boys. criminal boys. That's it. <laughs> Incurably criminal. And so now I really want to know, like, what they're telling people that he's done to get into this school. Right. And, like, you would think a, a school for incurably criminal boys, they don't come home on the summer? Yeah. If they're incurably criminal. Well, it's still a school, though. Like, they're not in jail. It's not a... But they're incredibly criminal. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> boys. They'd be, you know, year-round kind of thing. But, <laughs> but no, I'm really curious because he definitely went to public school before he went to Hogwarts. So it's not like people don't know who he is. <laughs> Which, like, honestly, I just I feel like I, we talked about this a little in the first book, but like I feel like Harry's trauma is really just glazed over a lot it in really this book, is. or in these books in general. Like he has a lot of trauma that he hasn't dealt with. And then everyone gets mad in the fifth book when he's all like, finally explodes, understandably <laughs> explodes. Anyway, 
Yeah. Go on. No, the fact that there's not a, even like a whisper of a nightmare of him waking up like still in a claustrophobic space in a closet and I don't know. Yeah, because he has bad <laughs> dreams all the time in the, these books, but they're always like, oh, I saw Voldemort in a dark yeah. field somewhere. <laughs> it's never like, oh, I was abused for 10 years and yeah. left kept in a fucking cupboard. The dinner doesn't go well, obviously. <laughs> he promises, he and, uh, and, and Vernon make a promise, you know, I'll be good during this week. You sign this paperwork. Life goes on. He ends up blowing up his aunts without a wand. Well, not... We should clarify, he doesn't explode his aunt. No, he makes... He, he inflates well, he her. He inflates her, <laughs> yeah. that's the word for it. As like unto a balloon. Decides he's going to be expelled anyway, so he runs away. Sees a big black dog as he's running away. And he ends up calling the night bus, which reminded me of the movie. I haven't seen the movie in a few years now. And I think it's also my favorite movie. It's my favorite movie. The music of it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It came out while I was still in high school and a marching band student, and I wanted more than anything someone to march. To this <laughs> like, it would be so great on a field. I think the third movie is the best, like, uh, standalone movie. It really is. Um, it's like the good movie, right? I, I mean, there's people, pe- there's people who hate it, but... There's people that are going to hate everything yeah. and always claim that the book is better and can't separate mediums, but... It keeps the story the most cohesive. It's yeah. very well scripted and directed. And I just the music, the fact yeah. that I can still hear the music, and I, I think it's probably been five, six years since I've yeah. even seen the movie. So we learn on the night bus. Which well, is a super cool Wizards Only bus that has beds in it. Yes. And it's driven by a teenager. No, no it is directed, not directed. He's like the conductor. Yes. Sorry, there's a teenager who, who works there. Yeah. Stanley Shuntpike. And it can squeeze between things and for the prices on there were funny. So it was, I think it was for six sickles, you could have a bed, but for 11, you could also get a toothbrush and hot chocolate. And I was like, that better be some damn good hot chocolate. For right? it. It double the price. Uh-huh. Like, so he claims to be Neville so that he can hide who he is. <laughs> he does that thing when you get in trouble and you just give someone else's name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Which I don't think ever backfires. Like, it usually backfires in a book and yeah. someone dies or gets injured because of that. But it does not here, thankfully. I love Neville. <laughs> He's good. This is the Neville Appreciation Zone. Okay, good. This podcast. Oh, yeah. We all love Neville. We all love Neville. It does show, like, how at, what, at this point in the books, how, like, low Neville's status is in the narrative that he can, like, be used as, like, a fill-in yeah. name for Harry when he's, like, on the run from, he thinks, the law. And nothing ever comes of it. Yeah. Like, there's not a single reference to this later on. Neville gets yeah. his comeuppance, though. He does. His comeuppance. Or, like... He's getting what's coming to him? I mean, yeah, but he like does, in a good way. In the good way. And when I see this Neville guy, I think, oh, he's got it coming. Oh, I'd I love to give this guy what's for. Smug little bastard. <laughs> I do feel bad for him so much in this book. Yeah. Um, but we learn that Sirius Black, who is actually even on Muggle TVs as an escaped convent, is actually an escaped wizard. And we get the kind of quick backstory that he killed 13 people. One night, essentially blew up the streets. There were a ton of witnesses, but they were all muggles, so all of their memories have been wiped, which speaks volumes about the wizarding legal system, which is a whole nother, like, <laughs> and, rant I could go on. And it is very dependent upon memory wipes. Yes. Yeah. Like, he can never be tried again if new evidence comes. Do you think they, like, do a thing where they, like, take out the memories of the event, like... 
pensive style. They have to. I've never thought of that. Right? So, they like, if to. they do need to retry someone, they can revisit those memories. But I feel like... I feel like the wizard justice system needs, like, I want to know about it. I want to yes. know what the processes are. Yes. <laughs> like, that would make sense, but I feel like someone would have seen something that would have had cause for hesitation or someone would have seen this slightly different. But They're all too caught up in making sure the muggles don't know about magic that they don't right. think about who actually did the thing. Exactly. Here's a thought. Do you think, and obviously these books takes place well before the podcast boom of the late 2000s, early, early <laughs> 20-teens, is there like a serial of the Wizarding World? Like, was there like a... I mean, Wizards have radio. Was there like... Has, yes. has there been like a viral like crime podcast? I bet, I bet like current... Currently, oh Jordan has like a serial style. This just makes me so happy. Like, this is exactly what Lee Jordan's doing. Of course, it is. <laughs> he's, this happened... a, he's a very successful wizard podcaster. Yes. If this happened now, there'd be like Serious Black, victim or villain. Ten years ago, people say Serious Black committed the crime. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But do yes. you really? Black tapes. Uh, it's supposed to be the serial theme. Oh, it's, whoops. it's been years since I heard the original version. I'd listen to that. I'd listen to too. a fake version of that. Right? Like a, like a, I have debated. Like a fan fiction version of that. <laughs> I've debated doing that because I have some friends that I used to uh, write. Uh, I was very much in the Harry Potter world and did a lot of nerdy things. And, and I keep in contact with a bunch of them. And I was like, you know, if I didn't have four other ones <laughs> and I had the time to actually like script something, yeah. this would be a lot of fun. That'd be so fun. But... That's a be, lot I'd be into that. <laughs> yeah, I'd love like a series or like a, a podcast channel that's just fake podcasts from Hogwarts or <laughs> yeah, the Wizarding like fake World. Wizarding World podcast. Oh, yeah, there's definitely a market for that. <laughs> People would listen to that. Yeah. That's good. I think we actually have an idea. This probably should all be cut so we can start <laughs> like doing this. Cut this out. I mean, normally we have a segment on the show called Pitch Time where yeah, we devise a thing. A thing. <laughs> we haven't done so far in this little multi-part limited series but this but could be pitch time this could be pitch time or to megan to your credit we could cut this out <laughs> no and, i like pitch time because if someone could actually make this happen i would happily give my help and, yeah. and be involved anyway i just can't actually edit and, don't let me edit and if this is on the record now then we can like sue them later yeah. on yeah exactly because <laughs> this is copyright yes wait is it? I mean, it's RIP. I'm trying to think, think. about. I'm trying to think of RIP. Rest in peace. TM, TM at three times. TM, TM, TM. TM, TM Put TM. the podcast in an envelope. There you mail go. it to yourself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd totally listen to that. So we're still on the night bus. Yeah. We're still on the night bus. Uh, which, Sirius Black is at large. Yes. He's loose. The um, juice is loose. So he gets the night bus to take him to Diagon Alley, yeah. which ends up being the Leaky Cauldron, where he meets up with Cornelius Fudge, who. Again, an entire like rant can be done on Cornelius Fudge, and should he be Minister of Magic? My favorite thing about this is not only that he's like, "Oh, Harry, um, good, good to see you," and he's like very like awkward and like, "Oh, <laughs> nothing's going on. But you can just live here for two weeks. It's fine." But it's yeah. like he he mentions that he had like a conversation with the Prime Minister, which the immediately Muggle made Prime me Minister. wonder like, what is the working relationship like between Cornelius it's Fudge my favorite thing. and the, the like the Muggle Prime Minister. I always imagine that the Muggle Prime Minister is um, Hugh Grant from Love Actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because like, I this? feel like he would just do the like very like what the fuck likeness <laughs> of it very well. Yes. <laughs> and like in like the scene in the sixth book very yes. well. <laughs> like I'm just like yeah that's that's who it is and he hasn't been in those movies yet so <laughs> in my head he hasn't. Don't be <laughs> you can totally bring him back. 
They let him know that he's not being expelled. They Cornelius lets him know, which oh, Cornelius is fine and dandy. I don't understand why. I I get why they're keeping it from a thirteen year old boy, but like if someone escaped prison to come and try to kill you, I feel like it's in that person's best interest to know this. Like I am all Team Arthur and telling Harry, yeah. like, hey, don't be stupid. There's a serial killer after you. Or, murderer after you i don't think he's really a serial killer this really feels like the point in the series where it becomes increasingly stupid that no one's telling harry what's going on yes because this is like if harry knew the entire situation up front it'd be like a whole different he had time to like process it he could like if he knew what was happening he wouldn't be like i mean i feel like it all goes back to him being raised in the moral world dumbledore making the decision to have him just be totally cut off from like any knowledge of this world at all like, has really, like, been to his detriment. Yes. But then once he gets here, no one's like, oh, Harry, by the way, here's what's going on. There's yeah. this guy, he did this thing. Uh, it directly impacts you. <laughs> but I guess that's the thing is, like, does none of the students seem to know. And it's never really specifically stated, like, this did happen the same night as his parents dying. So I do wonder how much the general population knows that it's, it is related. Or that he's, like, out and escaped to get Harry, other than just he's out and escaped and he killed 13 people. But Arthur knows that at this point, right? Arthur yeah, he wants know. to tell Dumbledore him. definitely yeah. knows. Cornelius Fudge. Cornelius Mr. Fudge. Mr. Fudge. Mr. Excuse Fudge. me. Yeah. So we get, like, a really quick montage of Harry, you know, just two weeks. Living being, it up. Yeah. I love this. He's just hanging out, like, at the cauldron for two weeks. Yeah. Just doing his homework, hanging out, like, drinking free pumpkin juice it's amazing getting ice cream when he wants and sounds like a great break it does like for a 13 year old boy that sounds amazing yeah. for anybody yeah. <laughs> um, but especially for a 13 year old boy looking at brooms yeah the firebolt <laughs> is officially a thing now and apparently costs a lot of money price on request on request which i did learn very early in life means you don't want to know <laughs> you can't yeah. afford it don't request do not request yeah do not request um, yeah, he's just chilling. And then uh, Hermione and Ron come. Yeah, it, so we start with them like, like sending letters being like, hey, we're going to be here the week before or something like that. And then it's kind of like two days before when they finally all get together. It was a really weird like moment of kind of them all colliding together. But they do all hang out. Um, Ron's family won a sweepstakes of some sort, <laughs> which gave them thousands of galleons, and they spent, I hope, a good portion of that paying off any debt that they have. Like, not to assume that they do have debt, but... Yeah. Um, but it just seems like they spent it all on this trip, and yeah. I'm just like, guys, you're poor. <laughs> well, like, they're poor, well, they're happy, but... Yeah. Well, poor was it to deserve, you know, fun things, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and they were going to see yeah. Bill, and, and that's great, and each of from what I understand is wonderful. It is on my list of places to go, but I do hope that they bought new books that year or something too. Yeah. Like it's a great, Ron does get a new wand. Yes. Which thankfully, yes. Um, but Scabbers is not looking great. And we learned that Scabbers is not a magical rat. He's been around for 12 years. He's old for a rat. And he's missing a finger on his paw. He's been around for 12 years. 12 whole mm. years. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Hermione gets a cat. Yes. Crookshanks, Crookshanks. And Crookshanks hates this rat. Yes. <laughs> Going after him from day one from Jump Street. So is it safe to assume that the Weasleys and the Potters lived close to each other? Like how did I don't 
think so. Or did like he jump into Arthur's pocket when he like came to look? Like I, I'm so curious how, about how, how Scabbers slash Peter because we're yeah. gonna get there. Spoil the spoiler <laughs> warning. This um, rat ain't no rat. How he is he, a rat. How did he get to the Weasleys? Yeah, it's it's. I want that short story like <laughs> right? young adult fiction nowadays in between books there's always like a weird short story that comes <laughs> right. out like it's true i want that short that, story like, novella yeah <laughs> of how how peter got to the weasley i'm amazed like nowadays the way culture is analyzed online this would be like plot hole from harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban oh i'm sure how does is. peter Pettigrew? yeah you're right but like you know, there's no like a video essay saying like here's how prisoner of azkaban ruins the harry potter franchise <laughs> so yeah crookshanks becomes basically the reason that Hermione's hated this entire book. Like, I really hate how they treat her in this book. I don't know why she's friends with these guys. Like, I feel like... They're not very nice. She could do so much better. Well, I Hermione's mean... being kind of shifty doing this book, let's be fair. Sure. That's sure. I mean, come on. Hermione's she's... whole thing in this book is... Super we... stressed. Well, what... Okay, we'll get to that. I'm sorry. <laughs> she's taking a lot of classes, guys. Like... <laughs> Why it's not really ever questioned why she's not a Ravenclaw, I don't know. She's breaking the rules of space and time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's a cat, there's a rat. There's it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> Percy's head boy, there's a big dinner, and... It's the head boy. <laughs> the big head boy, and... <laughs> Harry overhears um, Arthur and Molly arguing about whether or not they should tell him that Sirius is after him. And then Molly says no, and Arthur says yes, and eventually the argument ends, and, and then Arthur pulls him aside the next day at the train station, and he's like, I already know. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. This way you didn't break your promise. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Molly won't yell at you. It's all yeah. good. So they end up looking for a car so he can tell Ron and Hermione what Arthur has told him, and the only one that's close to empty has this shabby-looking guy sleeping <laughs> who is one of my favorite characters, uh, Remus Lupin. I have a question about Lupin. <laughs> okay. So when we meet Lupin, right? He's yeah. shabby. He's got old robes on. He's sleeping. He's got a briefcase that has his name on it. It's like peeling. We're meant to think that it's old. It says Professor R.J. Lupin. Hmm. Where has Lupin been a professor before? Maybe his parents got him like a new little thing for it. <laughs> or maybe he has been, he you know. Parents? I don't know. We don't really ever hear about his parents. I'm not sure. Uh, it, he, maybe he was. Maybe he keeps getting kicked out of places because he's... Where else is there to be a professor? Well, there's other schools. In England? No, probably not. <laughs> there's got to be lesser... Like, are there lesser wizarding schools? Like, does not everyone get into Hogwarts? I've always wondered this. Or do like, you, now can we you know, go abroad? Because now we know there's, you know, Durmstrang and right. Bobaton and Ilvermorny. Thank you. I can never I remember the American one. Um, but, like, to me, like, there's definitely more than one school in America because America's a lot bigger than the UK. Yes. So population density-wise would have... It's going to need one. ...more than one school. But, like, Spain needs one. Yeah. And... Russia. Russia, Russia. yeah. Australia. Italy. Oh, I love to go to the Australian one. <laughs> I feel like he could go down to Greece and be happy a little bit. Yeah. You know. And see, that's what I was hoping we were going to get from, like, the Fantastic Beast movies was, like... More schools? More continents and more, like, yeah. wizard, wizard, wizarding world lore. I don't think we're going to get that. No, nope, instead we get the story about how the most annoying man alive wrote the world's most useless book, and also he met Hitler. <laughs> Who, you know, and it, and we also learn how it's unfortunate that there are no such thing as Eastern European actors, and that's why we have to cast Johnny Depp as an Eastern European yeah, man. But, you know, whatever. Also, Nagini used to be a woman? <laughs> Oh, I've not watched the newest people. trailer, but I've heard the yeah. I Everyone, don't know how I feel this, about this that. is this is fresh news to us from yesterday. This listeners. bitch eats people. <laughs> I've not watched the newest trailer. <laughs> now I'm, 
really where are they going with this the trailer provides no information aside from oh nagini used to be a, a lady but Maybe. not even just like and they make her an asian woman which i don't know how i feel about that not the fact that she's asian but like that this asian woman gets turned into a snake permanently i don't know how i feel about that like and and, and you better believe she fucks oh definitely <laughs> nagini, she fucks <laughs> oh god did she in voldemort before when does she get turned? She gets turned into a snake in the movie. I well, know. It's not clear, but the timeline doesn't really work out. What I'm worried is going to happen is that she and Newt are going to have like a moment oh, no. where he's like, "You're you're a creature. I I care about you because you're a creature, and I'm a whimsical <laughs> magical dandy." <laughs> We've hit the point where it's kind of the big school montage. There's not really an opening feast. Oh, because oh. the Dementors came on the train. We do need to talk about that really quick. Uh, they came on. Dementors are going to be at the school because everybody's really worried about Sirius Black. And Harry faints, and hears his mom screaming, and I got really worried that Harry was going to start, like, actively trying to pursue Dementor so that he could, like, hear his mom more. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so dark. Harry I mean, Harry gets obsessive, like, That's the true. mirror in he the does. first book. That's true. That he would does. actually have made a lot of sense. Luckily, yeah. we don't go That's, down that road. That's yeah, on no. brand for Harry. Thankfully, <laughs> he's uh, terrified of them. Because um, they're the scariest thing ever. They're so scary. They are. They're flying black... Rates and they suck out your soul, and and yet you know patrol our school, please. Yes, yeah, so what this is the craziest thing. They feed on happiness and positive <laughs> emotion. So let's put them where a bunch of kids are. I can't. And they like they like cross the boundary into the school like a couple times yeah. during the this book, maybe just once the the first game. I feel like they do game. it a few times. They definitely do it at the first the first. Uh, yeah, they get come on the field match. the Quidditch game. Yeah, that's... what are you doing? <laughs> School montage, everything's great. Oliver Wood, I think it's the last like really big Oliver Wood book, which makes me sad because last year I am so in love with Oliver, Oliver Wood. Wood and his, as you put it, comical misery. Yeah, as, as <laughs> when when things started going wrong for the Quidditch team, Oliver Wood like when he just disappears and like is standing in the shower, someone says like <laughs> trying to all his clothes on, just like trying to drown himself. <laughs> Stay there. He the would be for hours. Someone for great hours. to get on a podcast just to like yell about Quidditch things. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's all he cares about that we know about him, and he cares so deeply oh yes and things in this book goes like so awry for the, yes. for the quidditch team and my love for sean biggerstaff like causes my love for oliver wood to go up the actor that plays him he's great they have new classes new teachers hermione's taking a full load times two Hag hagrid's a teacher now because they cleared his yeah. name in the last book which is great for hagrid yeah yeah i always wondered like doesn't this go is great why he got expelled did they allow him to go back to school is like did he get educated in some way? There has to be lesser schools in England. I wonder if that was like a conversation that like Dumbledore and Hagrid had. Because you can sort of imagine that between books like, Oh, Hagrid, I'm so sorry for blah, 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 blah. So, but do you want to you go through another educational course? And Hagrid's like, oh, I don't. I just, well, I never want to go anywhere else but Hogwarts. That's not how he sounds. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'd rather just stay here and they work something out. I just would have loved for Hagrid to become a student again. Oh, like, 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 a, like, a, like a Rodney Dangerfield style back to school yes. year moments? did Hagrid, Hagrid get expelled is the question. So the 40s, it right? was, well, like his year at school. Oh, like, how much school did he have to finish? I remember it being third or fourth. Yeah, I feel like it was somewhere around the middle. I feel like Hagrid just got to stay around and Dumbledore probably took it upon himself to teach him stuff. Oh, wouldn't you want to see that, though? Uh, yeah, that, tutoring that would session? be good. Yeah. I, am, I just am curious with how much Hagrid knows. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he actually does know a lot about creatures. Like, I do yeah, he think definitely he loves is creatures. qualified to teach care of magical creatures. I agree. 
And he gets a bad rep because Malfoy's Malfoy. dealt a bad hand because Malfoy's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Malfoy continuing to be the 100% pure evil with no slim shimmer of goodness within him on the first magical creatures uh, lesson uh, provokes a... Well, it, it, it's a hippogriff. It's, hippogriff. Like a, it's like a half horse, half bird. Yep. So it's like a pegasus. It's a really scary looking creature. Because it's got a bird head. proud. <laughs> Whereas yeah, like a griffin a has like a lion head. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, Malfoy provokes Buckbeak, the hippogriff, into attacking him. Yeah, which leads to this whole like it's... political stance. We learn how involved Lucius is with everything. And, Ugh. Ugh. And why they have to kill the hippogriff, but that just, whatever. This just leads to like a book long subplot that only really becomes important at the very, very end, but it's like Hagrid's entire focus, the entire book, where they're going to yeah. put the hippogriff on trial, yes. sort of. And like Hagrid, like has to defend him from being sentenced to death by basically all these wizards who are still in Lucius Malfoy's pocket. But no other students are allowed to come to like testify, and also Hermione, like on top of the, I don't know how many classes are normal they has because she she's taking like twice as many she, classes as yeah normal. she gets three rid of three by the end and yeah. then she's like I pretty much have a normal schedule now and I'm like. I don't feel like three additional classes warrant you to have a time turner. So I still feel like she's still is taking more classes, but it's like, you know, the college where it's like you have to take, what is it, 12 hours to be full time? She's taking like 18 yeah. where it's still doable, but it's like, why? Hard. She's also helping prepare the defense for the hippogriff and Harry and Ron forget because Harry's always just off in his own little world. Malfoy's arm gets hurt by the hippogriff, which means... Slytherin can't play in their first game. Right. Because he's hurt. Which I don't understand, like, how they can just get out of the scheduling, but if they do, <laughs> and it's, like, the worst weather, it's essentially a hurricane in, in Hogwarts, and they play against Hufflepuff because we get our first look at Cedric Diggory. Yeah. Uh, and Harry loses his first Quidditch match in three years. Because the Dementors come on the field and he faints again. He falls off his broom. Yep. Which this, goes into the Wampian Willow. I, I, I do want to stop and, and sort of take note of this moment because I think it's a pretty crucial turning point in the series. Which is that like in the first two books, like all the sort of conflict that's happening is like contained within the school. And, you know, more or less like things that happen that come up are all about what's going on in the school. And in book three, um, the main threat is like coming from outside the school uh, it's like someone literally trying to invade this space that Harry has like made in the school, and we first think it's like uh, serious, but it, the, really it's more the Dementors, who at this point in the book really literally cross over, like we were talking about, over this boundary into what should be like this sort of, in theory, is like a safe, positive space for Harry, even though first two years not so much. But <laughs> like the outside world is encroaching upon this, and it, it, like and at this moment where these sort of like. The outside world begins to become more of a presence. That's when Harry loses his first Quidditch match ever. Which, by the way, this dude had coming two straight <laughs> years true. undefeated. It's very true. No, he, no, you're kidding me. He had but no like, no training. My favorite thing is that he's undefeated, but only because he was like too hurt to play sometimes. Because yeah. Gryffindor, <laughs> oh, yeah. Gryffindor still lost the cup. Yeah, <laughs> they still had to win it. But Harry's undefeated. But also, like... How Mary Sue is the fact that your <laughs> position on a team gets you 150 freaking points. I hate it so much. Quidditch is a silly game. <laughs> it really and, is. And I don't like it. Oh, we should mention that um, there, there are two important things happening during sort of the, you know, that sort of going to school montage. The first is that we meet my fave, Professor Trelawney, 
who is the divinations professor Divination, is that right yeah. with a powerful powerful energy that i just love <laughs> and she's immediately like constantly predicting harry's death i do it's, love that it's really funny because at no point like harry is only ever annoyed by it he's never freaked out or scared so yeah. we're able to as the audience take it as like a like an ironic sort of funny thing well, he is at first freaked out, and then McGonagall's like, look, she predicts someone's death every year. This yeah. is just her whole no thing. No one ever died. <laughs> but I love that Lavender and, is it Pavardi? Pavardi. That is, like, in love with Trelawney. Oh, yeah, they just, they just fully buy in from, yeah. from the get-go, and, like, yeah. are, are the star students of that class. So she predicts Harry's death, that something bad is going to happen to Lavender, something bad is going to happen to Neville's grandmother, and that it's a student will leave the class by Easter. Or one of our number will, will leave, leave us, us forever. Forever. <laughs> forever. Yeah. And I think number two is most important is that we, uh, Harry, uh, during a class with the with Lupin, who is teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts, because again, this the position is clearly cursed, <laughs> is uh, Lupin teaches them how to do the... Um, wait, wait, sorry, what is he teaching them? He's teaching them how to get rid of a boggart. Yeah, the boggart, which is a, which is a shape-shifting spirit monstery thing that takes the form of your greatest fear i have wondered this what would my boggart take the form of because i don't like my biggest fear is the ocean so is it like would it be a shark or just just like vast expanses of water (laughs) yeah which like (laughs) occasionally google maps can send me into a slight panic attack so it would work but what about you guys what would your boggart be probably the same thing ron sees Spider. Probably the big spider. Big big old spider. Or is there like a I don't know how you do like a physical personification of like, like of like gro- growing old and having none of your dreams and like goals fulfilled? Hermione has you know <laughs> McGonagall telling her that she's failed all of her finals, so it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> your parents looking at you saying like, "Well, we thought you would do so much more in life." <laughs> honestly, honestly, actually. mine would probably just be like my mom being like, "I'm so disappointed in you." No, <laughs> ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. No, it'd probably be that big old spider. Yes, it's scary. I'm Ron? like, I'm supposed to go to Australia with my mom for oh, my 30th birthday. Oh, you better birthday. watch out for those big Good old luck. spiders down there. And I'm there. so worried about the spider. They got big ones down there. They got big ass spiders. They do, and big, just a lot of different bugs. I don't, I'm not like, I don't mind bugs that much. Spiders freak me out. I just love this whole I chapter because it's like a, about the such cicadas. a fun concept. You could easily build like an entire book around like this concept of this creature, yeah. but it's not even the whole chapter of this, this book. No, but it is a point that I love to reference people back to that are big Snape fans to be like, oh, you know, he was just protecting Harry. He tortured fucking dick. Neville to the point that the thing that Neville is most afraid of is Professor Snape. And that speaks volumes. I hate Snape. I do too. I, I hate It's terrible. <laughs> yep. He does not deserve any of the love that people give him. I hate him and his stupid, sexy voice. Honestly, I think the worst thing, the thing that happened that made people like Snape is they cast Alan Rickman and that as is, Snape. I do wonder if they had cast someone more offensive or someone that would be... You can't hate Alan Rickman. Right? Even like if you watch Die Hard, you're like, you're, but I love you, you're Alan Rickman. Yeah. But who, who would you cast as Snape, though? Who would be a better Snape? I don't know, but there are some actors like John Hamm. I like just have a distrust for because I feel like he always plays a, like a really smarmy character. So I like if there are plenty of British actors that it's like 
your face alone just makes me go, mm, I don't trust you. For Alan Rickman, I'm like, it's Alan Rickman. And honestly, even though he usually plays characters you shouldn't trust, I always still trust exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> he, he was an amazing performer. Yeah. It's it's that or it's, I don't know, maybe I saw Dogma too young and I'm like, you're the voice of God. You're fine. <laughs> How can you be evil? Yeah, I think I think that actually hurt Snape as a character. Although, like, clearly J.K. Rowling wants us to find, she does. find him a... Find peace and happiness with him. Yeah, but I don't. No. He you... doesn't deserve anything. He, this... God, Harry, name your kid after someone else. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so many issues with that. J.K. Rowling, whenever her editors got afraid of her, that was so bad. Um, that around w- book five. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's book four, honestly. I think it's between three and four where things... I mean, book five is when it gets really, like... This book does not need to be 900 pages long. Yes. <laughs> I haven't finished it, but that's that's too long for a boy wizard book. There's a lot of angst in that book. There's a lot of 15-year-old <laughs> angst. Um, I'm, 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 I'm withholding judgment on Snape because I haven't read all the books yet, so, you know. Well, and, and that's fine. If you end up liking them, that's great. Expect lots of drunken debates when we yeah. meet up, but... I, I am, I'm going to say this, this whole thing, this whole anti-Snape campaign Kelsey has been on since before we'd started episode one is, is prime me to like Snape. It's. I just a, want to fight. I'm just <laughs> going to point out that he's literally Neville's biggest fear in life. Neville, who's afraid of his own damn shadow at this point in life, hey, is terrified of Snape. Hey, Lupin's greatest fear is the moon. You're not saying we should destroy the moon, are you? Okay. Are you? Do Lupin's you think we should destroy the moon? Himself. Yes or no? Yes or no? Should we destroy the moon? <laughs> Lupin's greatest fear is himself. Sander, it's a simple question. Should we destroy the moon? <laughs> manifested through the moon so no we should not destroy the moon <laughs> mm. wow I bold just... stance <laughs> bold pro moon stance i i i like i i know going into this that if i tell jason that he shouldn't like something he's, he's going to find he's a gonna way. like it not always not always not always but it, it primes you i do the same thing though like <laughs> um yeah. i just i feel like snape is a much more sympathetic character. She wants him to be a much more sympathetic character than he actually is. She had a lot of fun making him very evil and then was like, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We should forgive him because he was the nice guy who got friends <laughs> out. Oh, <laughs> oh. That backfired when that culture took off. Where are we? So, <laughs> still school montage. Quidditch, they lose that match. Yep. Harry's uh, broom is destroyed. Yep. Oliver tries to drown himself. <laughs> Oliver does try to drown himself. We get to the Christmas holiday. Harry did promise his aunt and uncle that he would stay for Christmas and Easter. Like, he would really leave. Like, he was not yeah. going to anyway. Yeah. Um, but it ends up being, like, the smallest Christmas crowd ever. There's only 13 people in total. And Three which, of them are Harry, Ron, Hermione. Yeah, which I guess most <laughs> of the teachers also went home. Yeah, I think the teachers... That's another question I have. Like, do the teachers live at Hogwarts? What if the teachers have kids who aren't Hogwarts age? They live, like, elsewhere? I feel like all the teachers are really old, though. Like, past yeah. kids' age. I can't remember. But, like, Neville is a teacher by the end. That's fair. But his wife is also a teacher, if I'm not mistaken. Is she? I thought she was the landlady at the Leaky Cauldron. Oh, is she? I get confused with a lot of fan fiction, though. I can't remember who actually... (laughs) Neville marries Hannah, right? Yeah. Hannah Abbott. Okay. (laughs) Which... I have issues with that, too, but... (laughs) (laughs) You know. You have issues with the fact that everyone meets their life partner in, like, grade three it's really hard to like growing up with this and also growing up with the fact that my mom dad and stepdad all went to high school together i had actually had like a midlife crisis in my mid-20s where i was like i've gone to high school did i not meet the person that i'm supposed to marry what is going on (laughs) and uh also you can't talk that's true (laughs) true. (laughs) but i I didn't you know sarah didn't meet me when i was 10 years old and she was 11 
That's weird. So Christmas comes and Harry gets a firebolt, which causes all the drama in the world because they stop speaking to Hermione. Hermione is worried that the firebolt was sent by Sirius Black to like kill Harry. And so she tells McGonagall about it and McGonagall confiscates it. And then Harry and Ron stop speaking to Hermione. We've also had a few Hogsmeade visits. I can't, I can't remember which Hogsmeade trip it is, but um, he does get a hold of the map from the uh, Fred and George. It's before Christmas. And the, the, the Martyr's Map. Marauder's Map. Marauder's Map? Marauder's Map. Thank you. I was <laughs> like, I'm not saying this right, but I can't remember what the word is. You're hitting it every possible way <laughs> except for Marauder. Marauder. Uh, and... It is a really cool map that shows everywhere in the school and everyone that's in it, as long as they're not in a common room, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I have questions about the Marauders map, but I also think that it's just like, we get in this book so much the idea that James and Sirius and, and Remus and, and Peter, I guess, were really, really smart. Yes. Like, they were really smart. <laughs> like, like, the magic that it would take to create that map, as well as the magic it would take to become Animagi. Animag- Yes, I don't know. Um, we'll go with Amadeus. <laughs> yes, animorphs. <laughs> yes, there we go. Well, I mean, they are. That's, they are animorphs. <laughs> oh yeah, we we missed the fact that Harry is like so freaked out by the Dementors. He's like Lupin, help! And Lupin's like, okay, I'll teach you how to ward off the Dementors by he he calls the Patron. He explains what the Patronus is, right? Yeah, spell. Yeah. He's like, this is the thing. You this is the this is the spell you need that will. Get the dementors away from you if they like, maybe try to attack you during a a Quidditch match again, like they did. We also, when he uses the map to go to Hogsmeade, he ends up overhearing the big turn in the book. And I remember my first reaction reading this book, but we learned that Sirius was the secret keeper for the Potters, and which means that he knew exactly where they were located. Nobody else knew unless Sirius told them. And he betrayed the Potters and told Voldemort, which is why he ends up killing them. So not only is Sirius out to kill Harry, he also killed his parents, which is why everybody's like, don't go after him. I think that's really the the thing they, they, they don't want to tell Harry about is that they're afraid, they're not afraid to tell Harry that Sirius is after them. It's if Harry asks why he's yeah. after him, then they're afraid to tell him because they think he'll put himself in danger. Exactly. And it, I mean, and his first reaction is, of course I'm going to go find him. I want to kill this dude. He killed my parents. And yeah. it's like, no, Harry. Well, because he has no one like there to like, talk through him about this. Just, you know, Ron. <laughs> Hogwarts needs to employ a therapist. Mm. Hogwarts does a need a therapist. <laughs> like, that is very necessary. But he's also just a teenage boy. Doesn't want to talk out his feelings. Just wants to go and rant and kick things and he ends up going and looking through the book that Hagrid gave him his first year and seeing the picture of their wedding and seeing a young Sirius Black. And he's just like, ooh, this guy, ooh, this guy, this he's a bitch. snake. And why you would include, I mean, I guess you would need a wedding <laughs> picture, but why you would include one with Sirius? <laughs> Good job, Hagrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't think he really thought that one through. But, it's, but yeah, this colors basically everything about Harry and if he is confronted with Sirius, he is going to do it. Oh, fun little note here. We 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 um we do find out we Harry has a little conversation with Hagrid. Hagrid talks about how he got sent to Azkaban for like a month or two, which yeah. we touched on last episode. That Hagrid this is in book two, it's like, oh no, Hagrid's gone. But in book three, you're like, oh, he was oh. He was in Azkaban. He was in Azkaban. It's a bad place. Yeah. Wait, is it book is it book one or book two where he gets sent to Azkaban? Book two. Book two, yeah. Because they think he's weird. Yeah. 
and Hagrid's like, I can't, I can't risk setting Buckbeak free. I'll send back to the worst place in the world. This is like, I think, when we really get like a feel for what how awful Azkaban is, which it's it is awful prison that is patrolled by the creatures that feed on happiness, and if they don't like you, they suck out your soul forever. And as we, not to jump ahead too much, but as we find out later in the book, you know the justice system is is very flawed in the Wizarding World, enough so that an innocent man got sent there for twelve years. Did he get a trial? It's a it's a bad system. It's interesting that Rowling chooses to like raise this issue of I don't know a flawed justice system. Not so much like it doesn't become like a thing. Like it's not like a clearly defined metaphor or what have you. But it's hard to ignore that looking at it from like the perspective of an, of an adult who. You know, lives pe- in a country with a very flawed justice system. Anyone who's aware that like, sometimes people do get sent to jail or executed for crimes they didn't commit, and the uh, the Wizarding World is just as bad, if not slightly worse, because all because you, in order to qualify to be a sit on these trials, you have to be a wizard. So you got a very small jury pool to pull from. <laughs> more school montage. Hermione ends up leaving uh, divination. She is getting more and more frustrated. Harry's learning how to Patronus. Scabbers is presumed dead. Yeah, but presumably killed by by Crookshanks, Hermione's <laughs> cat. Uh, chapter 13, inclu- I made a note of this, includes my favorite line in the whole book, which is, Ron had taken the loss of his rat very hard indeed. <laughs> and that just like further drives a wedge between Ron and Hermione, especially also Harry and Hermione to a certain yeah, degree. Yeah. Harry always takes Ron's side. I mean, Hermione is, like, right throughout the book, but, like, the way, like, if... The way that she presents herself as right is... When, when Ron's, like, if he, she would just apologize, like, admit that Crookshanks killed Scabbage, which, again... Or could have. Crookshanks did not. Right. Yeah. But like, he could have. Or, like, could have. Yeah. Yeah. Ron's, like, I would be, I would, I would be okay. But Hermione just, like, won't even, like, budge an inch. Like, like, admit that her cat acted like a cat. Yeah. <laughs> she, so she's right, but, like, she does, like, she is, like, very hard-headed in a way, like... Yeah. There, well, and she also self isolating throughout the book by traveling back in time to take twice the courses. That's another thing. Does that, she like, also travel back in time to sleep? Like, I mean, I'd wake up from a nap, turn that over, and go back to sleep <laughs> if I could. Because, like, great, did not lose any time. I, the nap. I also think that's something that we see. Like, we like Hermione and Ron. I think both get mischaracterized a lot. I think a lot because of the movies and um, a lot just in general and that Ron's kind of like the dumb, you know, friend dude. And (laughs) and Hermione's like super smart and never wrong about anything. But I think they're both very stubborn people. Oh, yes. And they're both like very passionate people. And Ron is smart in his own ways. And Hermione is very book smart, but almost to a fault sometimes. Um, And I think, you know, because the movies kind of characterize Ron as the comic relief and Hermione as the ex- position dump um, character like we get these these two you, you don't get to see the nuances in their characters as much in the movies but i think like they're they're both you know they both there are problems with both of them like i do think the way that ron and harry treat hermione for some of this is is crappy but i also think hermione's not really helping herself she's not she's basically <laughs> caused herself to almost have a mental breakdown from what yeah. the pressure that she's and trying to do when you're a 13 year old girl you're more mature than 13 year old boys and you know it and you just maybe have to like take one for the team (laughs) it sucks yeah i learned recently how many people really hate ron and it was shocking it makes me so angry like ron 
is very like they're like he's just so undeveloped and blah, blah blah. I'm like, no, Ron's very developed. He's you know essentially a middle child, and yeah. is it's all about how he pushes aside the fact that he's completely forgotten all the time, and overshadowed by his older brothers or Harry. And I don't know. I'm a big Ron supporter. Even after even when he does stupid shit, I'm like, you know what? At the end of the day. I, I would have done the same thing. Ron is a very human character. He is. Like, he He's... makes decisions that I would make, and I get it. Like, I would hold that same petty grudge. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, he should forgive, and it's not Hermione's fault that her cat did this, because her cat's, like, wandering in and out of rooms. It doesn't seem like she can keep him in anyways, yeah. but you're 13. You want to be pissed. You're going to be mad. It's yeah. it's going to happen. So Harry does get his firebolt back just in time for the Ravenclaw Gryffindor <laughs> match. I Which forget. is very notable because it's the first time he sees Cho Chang. Yes. And he's like, ooh, she is pretty. She's very pretty. Hashtag puberty is coming. <laughs> right? It's like it's like the first time we see Harry like notice a girl and it's actually like pretty like pretty well done. It's like, oh hey, she's I I'm noticing that she's cute. And it's not like a thing. Yeah. But it's like, oh he yeah, he's starting to notice that girls are attractive. And it's not, thankfully, someone on his own Quidditch team, but it is someone who obviously shares a common interest. <laughs> Which is good. You know, that, that's yeah, the foundation exactly. of any relationship. And it's also good to know that Quidditch is not a win-loss kind of thing, but it is a point-based game. It's British, <laughs> so it's... Very British. It's point-based. <laughs> exactly. You don't, you don't win the cup based on winning a game. There's exactly. no playoffs in Quidditch. No, <laughs> but there is a World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Drake, Drake... Draco, Drake, 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 Drake Malfoy. <laughs> um, Crab and Goyle. No, it's not Crab and Goyle. It's Draco. It, it's Crab, Goyle, and, and Flint. Oh, it is. I, yeah. I okay. Here the There's four. Um, they dress up like the mentors to scare Harry, and instead he scares the shit out of them by doing a super cool Patronus at them. Yeah. <laughs> like, how badass. I'm a little bummed they did leave that out of the movie, because that would have been an awesome scene. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> It's great, and like it's, and so he thinks like he's he's like I did a Patronus really good, but it's like oh those weren't really <laughs> the like, mentors. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, and why they don't get more than just attention, or you know kicked off Quidditch, whatever. McGonagall's too easy on them sometimes. Again, why is there a whole place for the evil children to live in Hogwarts? <laughs> Kick them out of the school. They're evil. I don't believe that it was truly based on evil. I feel like that is such a. The, what it's become yeah. it's Sl about ambition slytherin's whole thing was racial purity or sorry magical <laughs> okay. racial purity the house his, his whole thing creator yes he <laughs> was a racist asshole but the spirit of the house is supposed to be ambition above anything else but the books don't show us that they show us no, a bunch of evil evil children yes it's very hard to find a good Slytherin character in these books. It's incredibly unfortunate. It would have been so easy to, uh, whatever. Like, like, we can get that. like, it makes me actually really angry that there are no Slytherins in the DA in the fifth book. Yes. Because that just would have been an easy way to, like, make it not. Like, I feel like Hor uh, Slughorn is the best representation of, like, what Slytherin is supposed to be. Yeah. A ambition. And, like, and... put yourself first, but not necessarily hurt yes. other people. Exactly. Like,. <laughs> Wanting to be able to name drop all these people and things like that. Like, yeah. that is the Slytherin way. It's just, like, high, high networking. Yes. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with ambition being your, you know... Your thing. Your thing. No, no. As long as you're not also a racist asshole on top of that. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So where are we? What's, what's Harry up to now? Uh... They, win, they win the Quidditch Cup. They win the Quidditch Cup. Oh, Whatever. Snape. Snape has a grudge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which we find out about in this chapter Snape's, Snape's grudge, grudge. <laughs> um, yeah so we find out that 
uh, Sirius tried to kill Snape, basically. Basically, Sirius tried to have Snape murdered by the tree. <laughs> by the werewolf in the tree. I am wondering oh, if yeah. it was, like, incredibly intentional that he did want Snape to die. Because, like, I get that Snape, they really hated Snape. Like, and, I don't think he wanted Snape to die. But he really wanted him to get, like, mauled or injured or something, yeah. right? Yeah. I think he's a stupid 15-year-old boy. Yes, that didn't think through the consequences. Right. And we learned that, like, James was like, what the fuck did you do? Yeah. And goes to, like, stop him. So, yeah, Harry's been told for years that, like, his dad saved Snape's life and he doesn't understand why, like, Snape absolutely hates him. And it's because he also indirectly was responsible for putting his life at risk. Yeah. Um, and that's why Snape is just such a huge asshole. And it is Gryffindor versus Slytherin in the cup. You cannot catch the snitch until they're up by 50 points. More than 50. More than 50 points. Which Oliver tells him about 100 times. I know! <laughs> Which, I will admit, that Quidditch match and all of its drama is really good on audiobook. Yeah, it I was, listened to the book. Yeah, it was really fun. I don't like how he does Hermione. Like, every time... No, nobody Harry. at this table likes how he does Hermione. <laughs> oh, Harry! So good to see you, like, Harry! You make her so whiny. Yeah. It's so awful. My one, I was shout out to Jim Dale for these books. These they're, things, they're it's, great. A, it's amazing mm -hmm. with that like one flaw. Yeah. Also, the fact that his Hagrid voice he uses for a lot of different characters. Yeah. Sometimes a character will show up, and I'm like, is that Hagrid in disguise? Why is he sound <laughs> just like Hagrid? There's only so many voices you can. do. I know. I guess <laughs> first thing I do so many voices. Mm -hmm. Finals happen. Hermione leaves. Divination. One uh, of one of our number will leave us forever. forever. Yes. <laughs> that happens like who is it? It's Pravardi. Pravardi. The two the two people who are like totally on board with Trelawney's whole thing, which would be three if I was there. Hello, <laughs> Trelawney is the best character. Uh, they're like, oh, see, she said it would happen. They're like, so like, yeah, she called it. Of course I did. It's amazing. I see everything. Um, yeah. So we're like pretty neck deep in finals. Oh, and like Trelawney like actually has like a, le a legit prediction she goes into like a weird trance during harry's practical final and says that the right hand man of the of the dark lord is going to return to him tonight tonight and uh he does <laughs> the end <laughs> the end um no we have about 100 pages of exposition to get through <sighs> so much so finals are done hagrid sends a letter the hippogriff is going to be killed they throw in the cloak they go down to see hagrid who lets them in and then out just as everybody else is coming in to actually kill. At some point, Hermione punched Draco, which in my mind always happens around this time because I think of the movie. But I think it happens. It, happen it happens before then. It happens a long time before yeah. then. But it's right around when the three of them are re reconciling. Yeah. Yes. If I remember correctly, she which punches Draco, which is great. Yeah. It's but always it is great. Related to the hippogriff, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And oh, it's when they find out that the trial, the first trial happened. Yes. And Ron's like, I'm gonna like. You know, help Ron's going in for the punch, and Hermione's like, "No, hang on, <laughs> I got this." <laughs> Actually, I think she slaps him, but still, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, anyway, while they're at Hagrid's hut, Scabbers is found, mm -hmm. and so you know everything is forgiven, but still not because like Hermione's like, "See, I told you." She can't let it go, but it's fine. There's <laughs> too much going on for them to actually get into a fight, so they leave, and Scabbers takes off with. Crookshanks. Either way, Ron ends up being dragged to the Whomping Willow and by threw it. Dog. By a dog. By Scabbers, a bear-sized dog. Crookshanks takes off after Scabbers. But then, like... No, does, he has Scabbers still. He has to, because that's why he's getting dragged. Yeah, he has Scabbers still, and then Crookshanks takes off and gets the dog. Yes. 
furious and pushes the button on the on the the whomping willow. The magic button that the tree has to make it stop whomping. Uh, why I don't know why they can't just like tape that button down, but okay, sure. They don't want people going to the shrieking shack with a werewolf, you know, that graduated twenty years ago. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so yeah, Ron gets dragged down into the whomping willow secret passage, which goes into the shrieking shack, which we saw earlier. And thus begins a long stage play. So much exposition. Where, where three old men shout at each other. About <laughs> three 33-year-old three men shout at each other. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just picturing David Thewlis and, and, and they are so old. But, yeah. So we learn. Very slowly we learn about the truth. Because <laughs> Sirius is like, I did kill them. And he's like, well, I didn't kill them, but I did because I suggested that Peter be their secret keeper. And it's like... You are a grown-ass man. You can separate your, like, guilt and what you actually did. <laughs> also, when, when, when Harry and, and Hermione um, and Ron catch up with... They all get into this house where the rat and Sirius... Who was the dog? Who was the dog, now are. <laughs> Sirius is like... And when Harry's, like, about to kill Sirius, he's like, you killed my parents. Sirius is, like, in and, and full-on, like... It has, it's, like, just saying, like, the worst possible things at every moment. <laughs> The point where Harry is like right about to kill him, and then Crookshanks, the sweet little cat, gets on uh, Sirius's chest, and Harry's like, "No, I can't do it. I can't kill Crookshanks." For some reason, for some reason, he this won't is take what... an innocent life. But also, Harry doesn't know how to kill anybody. That's no, true. That what true. was he going to do there? I guess he was going to try to av- avada kedavra like really hard or something. I don't know. I think he was just going to jab the wand through like Sirius's eye and stab him in the brain. <laughs> I can see him being like. <laughs> can you tell me how to kill someone and so then lupin shows up mm-hmm. oh we find out uh, the rat is actually peter pettigrew who's not dead S- it's surprise really well done like this conversation it's been 12 years since they've seen each other at least mm-hmm. and they're not finishing each other their thoughts and kind of finishing each other's sentences and it's like a very good dialogue of like ha- representing how it long they've been much friends. better in the movie. It works well in the movie. It, I, I thought it worked really well in the audiobook, too. Yeah. It doesn't work as well on the page. Yeah. When on the page, but, you really realize, like, oh, they're just talking for, oh, oh, God. But oh, yeah. no. But the audiobook, I could hear yeah. the things unsaid. And it, it, it made sense. That conversation made sense for the first time, where it's clearly Lupin realizing what happened and that Sirius didn't trust him either, which is essentially all you need to know, yes. <laughs> like, in that exposition. And then Snape shows up and doesn't want to hear any of it. But he like clearly had to hear some of it because the door, the fact that the door blew open and everybody's like, okay. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> no, like I, I like I right at the moment that like Harry has decided not to kill Pettigrew. Well, first he decides not to kill Sirius. First he decides not to kill Sirius. Then he finds out Sirius didn't kill, uh, didn't give up the secret. Yeah. Sirius um, convinced them to use Peter as the secret keeper. Yeah. Peter betrayed them to Voldemort because he's a little shit. Yeah. Uh, and then Peter faked his own death and also killed those muggles in that street by, in a very like, I always wondered, reading the book, I was like, how does he pull off this like amazing trick where he think, makes everyone think that he, that Sirius did this murder that he actually did. And the trick is he pulls his wand out behind his back mm-hmm. and somehow that's all it takes to like, okay. Apparently. And shouted like, you, you killed them. And that was all, this justice system is so fucked up. <laughs> no one like there's nothing we, like there's no like wizard like surveillance system being like oh see he's got one up on back his in the back. 90s. I'm telling you we're making this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it makes me nuts. We got to make this podcast, uh, y'all. We so just need to lead Jordan. <laughs> and uh, we also get the creepy realization that uh, Peter Pettigrew has been living as Ron's family's rat for twelve years. Yeah. Crazy, which is super gross. Super and Ron gross. spends a long time like fighting. 
allowing them to turn him back into a human or like to try to turn him back into a human. Like, cause like every time they're like, okay, we're going to do it. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not convinced yet. You need to keep convincing me. I'm like, oh, good Lord. It's a rat. <laughs> it's not Shut a rat. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So he, they do transform him back into a human. He begs for mercy. On everyone. He goes around in the city. He goes yeah. one by one. Like... <laughs> Harry, Harry gives it eventually. Yeah. They knock out Snape. All three of them expel the arm of Snape, which yeah. causes him to... But, they, but Snape doesn't come in when Pettigrew's a human. No, he doesn't see Pettigrew. Yeah. It's before Pettigrew was human. But they knock him out, essentially. Yeah. And Hermione has a mini breakdown because she... <laughs> we cursed the teacher! <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. Harry, in what is maybe the worst decision of his entire life, is like, no, don't kill Peter Pettigrew. My dad wouldn't want you to become murderers. Is it? The conversation with Dumbledore at the end implies that maybe it wasn't the dumbest thing. Yes, this is is deep magic, Harry. There's a bomb between two wizards when one saves the other's life. Yes, yes, yes. But That's the whole crux of the book. Literally, the the bonds that cause magic throughout these books, this is not like the the weirdest one. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying the immediate effect um, is bad. Is bad of, of like letting yes. Pettigrew survive. It's like very, very bad. Well, he was convinced that they were fine. They were going to get out, which is stupid. Snape shows up and he goes, I saw that you forgot to drink your last drink. After Hermione has been like, he's a werewolf, everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I think <laughs> he's like, a werewolf. The other, the other thing about not killing Pettigrew, I think that, Harry was thinking, at least I hope that he was thinking, is that they can't exonerate Sirius. He does say that, yeah. Yes, that's true. If Pettigrew's dead. Yeah. So double jeopardy is fine, but you're going to go back to jail. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They've got Snape tied up and unconscious. They've got the rat back, like, they've got the rat. Yeah. Um, And everything's going to go fine until they just happen to walk outside and the moon comes out. Yeah. Um, Who could have foreseen this turn of events? Like... Snape literally says, you didn't take your (laughs) drink. Yeah. So Lupin should have stayed behind. I don't. But also Snape should have just brought him the damn drink. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why he's like, here you go. (laughs) Because he has a grudge. Yeah. Snape's grudge. (laughs) Whole chapter about it in the book. Look it up. And because Lupin then turns into a wolf. um, Lupin is attached to Ron. They've got Pettigrew between Between the two. yeah. Yeah. So... Ron is at risk of dying now. Yeah, and then Pettigrew transforms back into a rat and escapes. Uh, Sirius turns into a dog to fight Lupin um, in the most unmotivated giant dog werewolf fight in history. (laughs) (laughs) And the Dementors get hungry and come over. Everyone passes out, but at the end, right before he passes out, Harry sees someone make a Patronus and scare the Dementors away. And then... They wake up in the hospital wing. Yeah. For the thousandth time. <laughs> For the thousandth of the ten thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> Harry and Hermione are like, oh man, we're so fucked up. Basically. Uh, they, they overhear Snape talking about how he like rushed in, saved the day, and you know, captured Sirius and a bunch of other lies. And then they also hear that Sirius is gonna get kissed. Snape kind of wants to expel all three of them are like severely punished and Fudge is like, nah, they're just kids. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Like, we don't you know, to, we don't need to do anything. Yeah, like, they could have been sway- persuaded. It, it's, it's okay. Let's not be angry. But, you know, Sirius is about to get his soul sucked out of his body and Harry's like, Dumbledore, we, we found out the truth. We gotta do something. Dumbledore's like, oh, I couldn't possibly help you. But, Miss Granger, if... Three turns should do it. Wink as he, as he 
Whimsies is the way out of the room. So they go back in time because you can do that apparently. Because this one, this one reveals she's been going back in time to make all her coursework happen this year, which is, I guess, spend the entire two hours like dissecting this decision that McGoggle makes to give Hermione power over time and space yeah. so she can take a few more classes. It's a ridiculous decision. Well, just time. Anyway, they go back in time. It's a mess. And if you've seen uh, Back to the Future Part Two, this part's a lot less cool than it is when you're. 10 years old reading it originally. <laughs> Still yeah. cool. Still cool. There's a lot of standing around and doing nothing that I kind of forgot happens yeah. because they have to wait for everybody to see Buckbeak before they can save him. And then there's like, okay, well, we just went into the Mopping Willow. We got like two hours left. And it's like, really? Okay. Cool. How are your feelings? What's going on in your life? That's kind of how it felt. They wait for them to come out of the Whomping Willow and Harry realizes that he, because he's, when he's in the hospital and he thought it was his dad who cast the Patronus that saved them because it looked like his dad and, you know, people are alive. He thought we're dead. So, you know, maybe. Yeah. But he realizes that they're sitting where he saw the Patronus come from and it was him who cast the Patronus and he cast the Patronus and saves himself. How shitty would it have been if it was his dad who'd been hiding for 12 years? <laughs> they rescue Buckbeak from being killed, which they can do because they didn't actually see him get beheaded. So it's not a paradox. Yeah, exactly. They There's also like several discussions where Harry's like, I just want to go do this. And she's like, you can't. How many times in a three hour period do we have to come the conversation of, I want to do this, but you can't. Why not? Because we already didn't do it, Harry. Exactly. <laughs> it already didn't happen. So they take Buckbeak and they fly him up to the specific window that Dumbledore told them is the window that Sirius is being kept in. They give Sirius Buckbeak. Buckbeak and Sirius fly away together. <laughs> And then the, like, weirdest part of the book that all I could think about, which was, well, Dementor, we're just going to take the Dementors away. Like, Sirius has not, he does write a letter to Harry and at one point says, like, I do plan on making an appearance in front of some muggles so that, like, like so far away that maybe that'll help loosen security. But they're all like, eh, let's just get rid of the Dementors. Like, he still wanted, he still killed 13 people. Nobody's trying to change the minister's mind about that right now. I assume that Dumbledore did something because he hates the Dementors, well, right? I, I Rightfully like, so. They're, yeah. they're awful. Yeah. They almost killed his like, favorite student twice. That's true. I guess they did try to perform the kiss on a student and maybe that's why. But there is no discussion of like this madman who is trying to kill one of our students, our most famous student, <laughs> is still on the loose. Here's some extra security. Nothing nothing instead we're just going to invite more schools in next book yay yeah let's, let's bring more people yay. to this cursed place <laughs> we then yeah Sirius writes a letter that says like hey i'm hiding i'm sorry you can't come live with me because we haven't talked about the fact that he's harry's godfather and the whole heart-wrenching breaking moment when harry's like i'm gonna go live with my godfather things are gonna be good and it's like jk 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 yeah which is i think really good because it sort of makes the stakes of the climax like more pressing to harry that's sort of the one thing is, like, I, I talked about how long the climactic reveal is, and it's only, like, it's still, like, it's very, like, compelling. Like, I still, when I read it for the second time for this podcast, I was, like, still very much pulled in and, like, like compelled to keep reading it. But the thing, I think the biggest thing is, like, none of this really is about Harry. Mm -hmm. Like, it impacts his life very indirectly, and, like, things happened to him in the past, but the actual, like, stakes are for what's going to happen with, in this moment, with Sirius and Peter Pettigrew, basically. And when by raising the possibility of like, oh, Harry, by the way, this is all going to work out and you're going to be able to live with me instead of with those awful, terrible people you've lived with for 13 years. 
that way the audience we can now be like oh hey this is i get this this would be a good thing i understand this and this is what i want for harry because he lives in a bad situation and so when that gets yanked away it really is like you feel the impact in a way you probably wouldn't if that like wasn't on the table but it's like because he has a hogsmeade letter it's okay like it's not as big of a deal yeah yeah, he like it's okay Sirius signs his hogsmeade letter so he can go to the hogsmeade the next year which did make me tear up i will admit (laughs) and he gives ron an owl he does give ron an owl for killing his animal well (laughs) after attempting to kill his animal Uh, and then there's the end of year this happened before the train but the end of year conversation with Dumbledore that happens every book where they unload what happens. Or Dumbledore says some enigmatic shit (laughs) and tells Harry nothing. Yes. Mm. You know, you did a good thing. You didn't let him die. It's okay. We're going to win in the end either way. Harry's like, what? And Dumbledore's like, sorry, Harry, couldn't hear you. I'm much too busy being inscrutable. And whimsical. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lupin <laughs> leaves the school. Bird. Lupin, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Snape, Snape reveals that Lupin is a werewolf to the Slytherins. Uh, who tell, you know, the whole school. Yeah. And so he resigns. Not, Lupin, not Snape. Way to go, Snape. I remember breaking my the... heart so much the first time. I love Lupin Lupin so is the much. only good teacher they've had oh, in that, that role. He was so good. But yeah, so in the end, it is not a happy ending, but it's not a sad one. It's very right. telling of like her trying to transition from a middle grade to young adult, young adults, and not quite ready to bring all the trauma yet. But as an adult reading this, you're like, yeah, this sucks. Like, <laughs> the fact that Harry's not in tears over the fact that he still has to go back to his aunt and uncle is shocking. I feel like if I was Harry, I would have cried so much more. Oh yeah, in, you you've been crying like I've been crying the book. entire all of yeah. the books. Yeah, <laughs> like you're, the fit you're, of you're like, a crier though. I am a crier. He's not I am much too. Of a crier, I guess. <laughs> the, the angry Harry of book five is like me throughout the entire <laughs> my teen years. That's all. I do think that angry Harry is like the most realistic harry <laughs> yes i agree yeah the, the i mean you're, to your point about the, this being like a, her transitionary book towards like you know moving it up to the young adult level uh the threat here is maybe the worst it ever is because like the fate the thing that happens to you when the dementors get at you and give you their little kiss is like the scariest thing in the books in my opinion yeah because you're just a lifeless like still living but completely dead inside shell of your former self it's really Maybe almost a little bit too grim, honestly. Like, yeah. the fact that the ministry ever, like, employs the... the Like, do they have minimum security wizard prison? Right, is there, is there, <laughs> there a prison where there's not so. guarded by demons, maybe? You would assume so, but we never hear about it. Is there a place for white-collar wizard crime? <laughs> there's a podcast. There you go. We're going to explore this prison today. <laughs> it's still my favorite. I feel like the turn of, like this character that you're supposed to hate turns out to be like an actually really great guy. And at least for me was a beloved character after this point. And I don't know that this book, the first two are so such exposition. This kind of feels like the, it's really starting to get on the roll. And it's funny because I, I hadn't read the second book in a really long time. Um, but we just read it and I actually forgot how much I liked the second book. And I actually think it's, like, this is my favorite book, and I've always said it was my favorite book. I don't know if it's my favorite book anymore. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's like it's good, and I like I like all the things that are revealed and all the things like we learn about the world. But I do think a lot of what we talked about last time is that the the like big fight scene at the end, the big the climax of the second book is very very good. It is really good. I agree. And I also like, and I think like a lot of the this is a very exposition book, but I think the more interesting exposition book is the sixth book. I agree. And so, like, I love this book for what it represents about Harry's life and all the characters we get in it. But I, like, I, you know, I didn't enjoy it as a full narrative as much as I thought I did. Honestly, I feel the same way. Yeah. I appreciate, like, yeah, the series is a great character. And, like, the, the move from, like, Harry just, like, wanting to kill this guy to him being, like, this beloved figure in his life is really interesting and is, you know, a, a, a new thing. Because the books have sort of, at this point, played with the idea of, like, appearances can be deceiving Right. But for the most part, these books are, I don't know, and I've, this is an ongoing thing I'm upset about. This, these books are, if someone looks uh, untrustworthy and, like, physically abnormal in some way, they're bad and you shouldn't trust them. And this I is the first time where you that. get a character who's like, this guy is the worst guy in the world. Everyone hates him. And, he, and even you hate him, Harry, because he's the bad guy. And then you find out at the end, oh, actually, what you thought was true is the exact opposite. And the, character, and the person we all thought was the... You know, like poor innocent victim is like the most evil person you've met yeah. thus far, next to Lucius Malfoy, who's the worst guy ever. <laughs> I think that this book doesn't reread as well as the others. It is interesting to read it as I an think... adult. It is very different because I it's <laughs> I was trying to remember when I last reread all of these, and I think it has been close to ten years. It's been a long time since I did a full reread. Yeah, I read the first one like every now and then a lot, and I'll go back Same. and read like the sixth and seventh sometimes. I usually, if I pick it up, I end up going to, there's a fan fiction called After the End, which I think if... If you've read fan fiction at all, you've read it at some yeah. point. And for and whatever better reason... better than the actual After the End. Yes, it's like, <laughs> every time I start it, that's kind of where I end up going, is to pick up that fan fiction instead. God, I haven't read it since I read a lot of Harry Potter fan fiction in, like, is high it, school. Is this it, a major... It's like it's fic. a can, it's a canonical they fan wrote work it between yeah. four and five or yeah. it was, at so least not, I remember the point when five came out because because a lot of stuff that happens in that is not yes, canonical anymore because there's characters that die that in the fan fiction that never die in the series and then there's ones that die very like, in the series shockingly and don't die in the, the yeah fan we we, but, we we touched on this the the fact that between books four and five was when this explosion of fandom happened yes that, yeah yes. And is it was after the end from that period? I believe. I, so. I don't. I think it was maybe started. started during that period. Oh, yeah, okay. not finished. Until but then. it definitely no. It definitely did finished after five because I remember oh, yeah. the author's notes of the death in book five and being like, "We're broken. We like it's going to be a little while before the next one comes out." <laughs> but they handle the Dementor problem in this fan fiction. Like, there's a lot of things that happen, but the kind of big bad at the end is like getting rid of this Dementor problem and rebuilding the justice system. So oh, it's. Nice. It is like fan fiction can fix things sometimes. It does. It's great. I was not like a. a I've I've read after the end or I at least started it. Um, it's long. It's, it's long as fuck. Yeah. Um, but I was much more of like a introspective side character fan fiction person. Yes. <laughs> as opposed to I'm like I'm gonna go read about this random like. Yeah. You know, like getting a different view on the world that's happening yeah. was what I was into as I far as fan fiction. Really love Charlie Weasley. I like I can't explain it. He's next I get to so no upset character. that he's not in the book. Yeah. Or in the movie. But my dog is literally named after Charlie Weasley. Like, Aww. I don't know if it's because of fan fiction or what, because Charlie is so little used. Yeah. He's the dragon dragon man, right? Yeah. The dragon man, yes. And the fact that she's, like, come out and been like, Charlie never gets married. I'm just like, is he happy? Like, is it just... A, 
a good happy ending. That's all I kind of care. So what? Stop tweeting. To be happy. Stop I know. tweeting. Stop tweeting. JK, stop tweeting. You can't. You cannot keep doing this. This whole like, yeah, it's totally in the book. See this line here. Totally explains it all. Don't ask me how. Well, like after the Nagini stuff happened, someone was like, "How long have you been holding on to that?" And she was like, "Oh, like twenty years." And everyone's like, "Yeah, sure." No. Bullshit. Sure. Bullshit. So bullshit. Shit. Sure. This is yeah. sure. I can't take her serious anymore. Love her like, for everything that she's inspired like, in my life. Thank you for giving me this, but like, let it go. Stop. Let <laughs> it go. Stop retconning everything. She does need someone to be like, take things like to hand it off to. Yeah. Like even like she used to have. Well, I guess technically that's what happened with the cursed child, and we know how that well, that turned out. Turn out well. well. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe not in that situation. Yeah. But someone who's like you know part of the, like a Christopher Tolkien type character. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, in real life, not a... Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, there's... There's... Yeah. On August Derleth, if you will, to continue the universe, but, you know, to sort of sort through the the mess of her brain. Yeah. We do have seven books, and she did do a couple side books. Like, we have enough knowledge that someone could take over and not retcon or anything, yeah. and it would still be okay. Would you like to um, tell us about all your podcasts so sure. people will listen to them? <laughs> Go uh, do some plugs. Do some plugs. I host four book-related podcasts. Uh, Judging Book Covers podcast is a book club podcast with Stephanie Cortez. Uh, we go through books that are on our to-be-read list and essentially find a reason to force ourselves to read things that we don't normally do. <laughs> uh, my second one is Fabulous Retellings, where we talk about uh, the origins of fairies, myths, and fables, and then talk about some really fun and weird retellings that are going on these days. Uh, like, we just did one that crosses over Baba Yaga and Anastasia, like Romanov. And into that! So into That it. is a cross-section of two of my very distinct interests. The book is terrible, but I was like, I wanted it to <laughs> be Yaga so much. Is one of your distinct I interests. like weird Russian fairy tales. She is like the most <laughs> badass witch, and she is never apologetic, and I love her for it so much. Um, my third one is Handbook Podcast, where we talk about bad books written by bad people. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, oh, Interesting. I do Fabulous with Mary Lag Ingway. Uh, handbook Podcast I do with El Riccardi. We started with a Handbook for Handbook for Mortals. We are now currently talking about Cocky Gate. So, what is? Uh, a woman tried to copyright the word cocky in her romance series, and Ooh. it is a very long story. So we are reading one of her books. I like the idea of reading bad books. Oh, That's it's fun. But we we wanted You should have my roommate on your podcast. Okay. We don't do a ton of guests because we <laughs> record so weird, but oh, we yeah. are trying to kind of figure out how to work that in. But we Not wanted that Stephanie reads a lot of bad books. We wanted to talk about <laughs> We we both love bad media. Yeah. And like There's like we both actually really love the latest Fifty Shades of Grey movie. Like it's is that the third one? Freed? Yes. When they, when they were freed? The when the shades were freed? Yes. It's actually <laughs> when they opened up like, Pandora's box and the 50 on shades its own, escaped? Wonderful. We both love it. And we don't want to bash bad books that are like genuinely written. Yeah. So we were like, bad books by bad people. It works. Hmm. And then my fourth one is a uh, is Minds at Yerk, where we're going through Animorphs <laughs> with a friend of mine who has never read it. It's three of us that have read it oh. and one who has never read it. Boy. He is 37. Whew. 37 I probably I mean it's been like a good good long time since I've read an Animorphs book so yeah those are my podcasts you should all listen to them listen to all those podcasts yes all of them listen to all of them (laughs) (laughs) special thanks to Danny Abowd 
of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, from their self-titled album, available now to download on bandcamp.com. Special thanks to Carly Sussman for designing our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. Special thanks to executive producer Sarah Shepard. <laughs> co-host of the podcast Andrew Ninja Warrior although if you tune into the latest episode of Andrew Ninja Warrior you will hear instead my beautiful voice cascading over your ear I'm gonna stop uh, I our guessed it on the podcast, podcast our spinoff podcast I our took first a, spinoff podcast we got another one I, 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 I <laughs> took a visit to the old partner companion piece podcast yes and uh, you know I, it's check it out it's, it's me in a whole new light <laughs> <laughs> And now we say goodbye with that famous sign-off. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed. You can do it too, Megan. Oh, no, it's okay. I'll let you guys have your, your, your famous sign-off. You can do it too, Megan. Okay, fine, I'll do it with you. Okay, we're going to try it one more time. <coughs> Mischief, Mischief managed. managed. See, that was good, wasn't it? That was wonderful. Yes, okay. I feel whole. Okay. <laughs> Megan is going to generously lead us through the, the winding twists and turns of this plot summary. As we go along, we're going to, you know, uh, we're, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have fun, most importantly. Like, we're going to have fun. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? And then we're going to stop. We're going to sort of, you know, when we find something we really think is important, we're going to camp out on that part of the, of the, uh, of the, um, the verse. We're going to camp out and sort of dig in. All so right. if you've been to church, you get it. <laughs> it's going to be a lot like that. <laughs>